all got $4 a week to go to school and ride the bus or whatever we had to do. Because I made a mistake one time. when I, I was the first one to go to junior high. And my daddy gave me a dollar. So I could have gotten a dollar a day, you know, to go to school to eat. But I came home the first day from Bloom. And I said, oh, daddy, my lunch only costs 40 cents. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, well, that's what you'll get at 40 cents. Mr. Malcolm Allen Sr., a retired postal worker, Cincinnati Waterworks employee, and co-inventor of Tide Liquid Detergent, lived in the West End for over 30 years. We thought we had everything we needed, but everybody kept telling us we were poor. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't know no difference, you know, because that's the way we were. Hear his story in our 10th installment of the West End Stories Project. I'm Key, manager of the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library's West End Branch. Thanks for listening. Tell me more about your dad. Uh, my dad went in the Navy. He came out with rheumatoid arthritis so bad that he couldn't stand up sometimes. And me and my brother would have to go in the, me and the one next to me, we'd go in the, stand him up out the bed. My daddy worked two jobs for 25 years like that. And sometimes we would hear him in that crying. And we would go stand him up. And he would go to work. He hauled groceries all over the West End all day long. And then went to his regular job from 11 to 7 at the Hilton Davis Chemical Company. And I used to go to work with him, and me and the other brother next to me, sometimes we would go work with him to, to deliver groceries with him. But he never complained. He took care He took care of his children, all six of them. My daddy would come home for dinner every day. My mother would have his dinner done. He would sit at the table, and we would joke and laugh around. He would eat and then go go in the room and lay on the bed. And inevitably, he would say, Malcolm, bring me a quart jar of ice water. And I would always say, why did he wait till he got up to do that? But then me and my brother got to talking. He worked two jobs for 25 years where we had to stand him up to walk. So it got so I just, it, I didn't mind. I just started doing it. My mother, she was born at 558 Pioneer Street, which is up off of Broadway. It was a street that was off of Broadway in what was called Bucktown in 1922. My grandmother developed tuberculosis, so she went back to South Carolina down to Lawrence to die. And then my great uncle went down and brought my mother back up here. And that's how my mother got raised as his daughter. And she went to Old Woodward, which is up there where School for Performing Arts used to be. And she graduated in 1940. She wanted to go to Spelman College. But my uncle said no, she had to go to UC. So my mother never went to college. But she trained us to speak English correctly. 
My mother did not put up with incorrect English, slang, anything like that. She would say, what was that word? Well, you go in the room and write it a thousand times so you remember it. I mean, that's the way she did us all. His parents met in the Old West End or Kenyon Bar area when they were children. My father met my mother when he was about three years old, and he told her he was going to marry her someday, <laughs> which he did. But it was quite a quite a um, thing in my family because my uncles and, and uh, my aunt they didn't like my father because he was very dark. My mother was very light. And by, in those days, that just wasn't the way things went. You know, um, light-skinned people didn't marry dark-skinned people like that. There was churches down there in around Mound Street and Seventh, all the where all of the uh, so-called upper crust blacks uh, went. She couldn't go into church because her skin wasn't lighter than a paper, brown paper bag. Even though my mother was light, was light complexed, she wasn't light enough to go into those churches because you had to be lighter than a brown paper bag. Mr. Allen lived on 9th Street, Dayton Street, and both Lynn and Liberty Street in the Laurel Homes housing project. You know, when they built the Laurel Homes, that wasn't built for black people. But that's who got to live in there, eventually. But one side, on the one side of Army Avenue, it was white. We weren't allowed to go through their neighborhood. If we wanted to go from uh, Liberty Street over to the St. Joseph Church right there, we had to go down Lynn Street and go around, or up John Street and go around. We couldn't go through the other side of the lawn. They had a policeman. They walked up and down there to make sure we did but that's the way Cincinnati was, you know. We we just understood how things were. Since Laurel Holmes was restricted to low-income families, Mr. Allen's eventually had to move. Uh, they decided that my daddy made too much money, so they put us out of the Laurel Holmes because he was overcompensated. So we had to move to a little dumpy place uh, at 1023 West 9th Street. And it was a dump. So we lived there until 1953. Why was it a dump? Because it was just an old beat-up building, and the toilets and things were added on to the building because all the toilets were outside in those days. And it was just a rickety little building, and then the people on the – this one lady on the first floor burned her food all the time, and the hallway stunk all the time. And we weren't used to that. When you come from the law homes and you move to an apartment, it, you just, it's shell shock. Because the law homes, you had a bathtub, you could use all the water you wanted, and you, you had a flushing toilet, you know, and nobody worried about the water, and it was, it was so hot in there, you had to keep the windows open because it was so hot. And it was just a, that was like paradise to us coming off of Liberty Street. We stayed there until 1953, and my uncle bought a house uh, when they uh, moved uh, to, tore down 1043 West Liberty. 
he bought a house at 1127 Dayton Street. And then that's where the other um, three, two of my brothers were born. Throughout our conversation, Mr. Allen relayed some of the unspoken restrictions Black Weston residents faced throughout the 40s, 50s, and 60s. We, we, we knew where we could go. We couldn't go across the parkway at night uh, from Liberty Street or anywhere. You, you get caught across the parkway at night, you'd be at the mercy of anybody who caught you over there. And we knew that. We just knew where we could go and where we couldn't go. So, I mean, we just understood what the situation was in Cincinnati. I had two of my best friends, the Brady brothers, 1960. They lived on Lynn and Dayton Street. The brother, one, the oldest brother came home on furlough. The police pulled him over there and they were messing with him in front of the house. And they started to tussle with him. Well, Virgil ran out the house to help his brother and they shot them both dead and laid them in the street. Virgil Brady and his brother. I went to school with him. They left them laying in the street. They didn't even try to take care of them. So that's part of the history that I have of Cincinnati. I know how it is. Mr. Allen went to Washburn, 12th District, and Heberly Elementary Schools. He passed the test to go to Wana Hills High School, but he wanted to stay with his friends, so he attended Lafayette Bloom Junior High School and graduated from Taft High School. When I, we went to Taft, we went out, we'd go play a school like Western Hills or Walnut Hills. They would call us all kind of derogatory names because we were a black school. But that's why we beat them so bad. <laughs> but that's the way Cincinnati was. Uh, I went to a party one time out in uh, Bond Hill to where the, they had put the new Woodward High School. And so all of these girls, I was talking to them, you know, and uh, they were, we were having fun. So they said, well, what school do you go to? And I, I said, I go to Taft High School. And they went, hmm? And they wouldn't even talk to me anymore. <laughs> because that's what, that's what the thought was about boys that lived downtown and went to school downtown. And so Taft was a brand new school, but they, they didn't even give us brand new equipment. We had uh, uniforms, well, old Woodward's old uniforms, where they took the letters off and put tab on them. They treated that school like second-class citizens. We didn't get anything new. Everything was always used. But the uniqueness of that school, the school opened in 1955. And in 1960, Taft won the public high school championship in everything except baseball and they won all the track cross country in the state that's how unique that school was in 60 and 61 they have more college graduates out of those two classes than any other school in Cincinnati because that's how good that school was back then what happened what do you mean what happened I'm saying, why were those classes particularly good, and then what happened after that? Well, because well, this is what happened. Tab, we we had such a we had such a great great school, and we, like our band leader, Mr. Parks, he was the best in the city. They took him and sent him to Walnut Hills. 
We had Tampkapades. We had shows that our show would travel to Washington and and give it in front of the politicians and stuff because that that school was so unique. But little by little, they took all the good teachers and sent them away. After graduating from Taft, Mr. Allen decided to follow his heart and the money. I had a I had a full paid scholarship to Fisk University in Tennessee. And I didn't tell my mother about it because I had told my girlfriend that we were getting married. And so I went down to the neighboring house. Mr. Willard Scargo, he was the greatest coach that we had. He looked out after everybody. He would get anybody, everybody a scholarship. That's what he worked at. And he was just that great a coach. Of course, they stole him from Tab and put him at Walnut Hills. And that's what they did about that. But anyway, he had me set up to get a full-paid scholarship at Fisk. And so I told a guy that I was getting married. And he says, well, look at this book. Look at all the pretty girls in this book. He said, you'll go down to Tennessee and you'll never come back. And I said, no, I'm keeping my word. I told my girlfriend I was getting married. I give her, gave her an engagement ring. And she graduates this year and that's it. They could not believe I turned that scholarship down. Of course, I never told my mother that I did. <laughs> but my other brothers went to school on scholarship. I I modeled myself. See, I started at UC. I, I went there three months. And it was so boring. I just thought I want a job. Because I admired my father the way he worked. So I quit UC and got a job. So you fell in love in West End? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, it was, it was at a party one night we had at, at, the, at the summer, and uh, I had concentrated on sports all year, but I heard that there was going to be this party that night, and I went to the party. I usually didn't go to the parties with with the the group from Tab, and so anyway, I went to one of the Tab parties, and it was real dark in the party, and I sat down, and I really thought she was another girl that was had the same name. And then I, I asked her to dance, and then I realized who I was dancing with. And I said, oh, this is not the Florence I was looking for. <laughs> so, but anyway, I walked her home, you know, and then after that, it just got to be where we were boyfriend and girlfriend. And we've been married 57 years, actually. When they first got married, they moved into a new development in the West End called Parktown Cooperative Homes. It was brand new, and it, you, it was a co-op. You had to put money down, and you got a share of stock in Parktown. And, and where we moved, it was, there were all, all the people down there were, you know, middle class. But and then there was some, like the, the lady next door to me, her and her husband, he was the president of the Cincinnati Brewery Union. And then across the walk, two of the, the men and the lady, they played for the Cincinnati Seventies. And then the other people on the other side were missionaries. And then right across from me was a police sergeant and his wife and kids. So that's what it was for professionals when it first opened up. And I was working at the post office, and my wife was working as a, an OBGN nurse. But eventually, it went bankrupt. But they gray-bearded us in where we can still count our rent as uh you know, I take it off my taxes. 
But gradually, they just start opening it up there, you know, anybody, you know. And then it started going downhill. So we were there for 10 years, from 64 to 74. And then we moved out to Kennedy Heights after that. Before we wrap up, I wanted to circle back to Mr. Allen's contribution to Thai liquid detergent. I worked uh, 22 years at Procter & Gamble. And while working at Procter & Gamble, um, the engineer that I worked with, we're patent holders. And you might be familiar with the product that we had a patent on was Tide Liquid. So me, Angela Delcroico and myself are the patent holders of the original Tide Liquid. Wow. So <laughs> well, you know, I tell people about that when I go in the store and they don't believe that they should use it. But I'm telling them the best product on the market. <laughs> but most people don't believe me. So I, I, I just leave them alone, you know. They don't know that I'm the one that invented it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this installment of the West End Stories Project. The West End Stories Project is brought to you by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library and is co-produced by your host, Key and our grants librarian, Kent Mulcahy. If you like what you've heard, listen and subscribe to the West End Stories Project wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and help us get discovered by leaving a review. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Now, let me ask you, did you read my book? I have not, and I apologize. Okay. I'll send you my book one page at a time. (laughs) (laughs) You could. I mean, then I could read it every every day. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) Digestible.